But in honor of the word this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word. It says, custom of this house. 2 Kings chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 1 through verse number 7. If the Lord would help us, we're going to use for a subject this morning, a cry for a generation. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house, only a pot of oil. And then he said, Go borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon yourself and upon your sons, and you shall pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, and who brought the vessels to her, and she began to pour out. And it come to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Let us go back to verse number one. Now there cried... A certain woman for a few moments for a subject today a cry for a generation let us pray dear Heavenly Father we love you this morning we thank you for your word we thank you for your anointing we thank you for the blessings that you have given us that has permitted us and allowed us to assemble together this morning in your house so today father I pray for the next few moments that our eyes would be open to your word. Our ears would be open to your word. Our hearts would be receptive to your word. Let us not be distracted. But Father, today I pray that we would not only hear, but we would receive that which you would speak to us as individuals and as a corporate body as well. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. And the church says, amen. And amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I would like to deal with for a few moments today from this passage of scripture in just a few moments about that which was left. But before we do so, I think it's important that we kind of just look at this story and kind of take it apart just for a moment. And let me give you my perspective, if you would allow me to do so just for a couple of moments. First of all, we see a mother in a place of great uncertainty. It is clear from our text this morning that she was distraught by what she was witnessing that was happening and unfolding in her presence. I can say to you this morning, we as a nation are currently experiencing probably in the same manner some of that stress because we as a nation today are in a place of great uncertainty. I spent some time with my family yesterday and, and I noticed that, uh, you know, it is Christmas season and 
you can't go anywhere without somebody feeling like the need they need to go to a store before you come back home and all of those types of things. But I noticed that compared to the present time of what it has been at other times when I've been out in, in the world where the shopping centers used to be filled with hustle and bustle, it wasn't so much so yesterday. I, I was in some outlets yesterday that at times I have been there at this time of year and it was shoulder to shoulder and people was uh, not so careful, if you would say, with their money. They was just kind of throwing it aside and spending it on things that they thought they might need or someone might want, but it was not so crowded yesterday. And, and, and I know that a lot of things have changed and a lot of online shopping, all those things, but at the same time, you could tell in the atmosphere that things are just a little different. Uh, you know, I, with, with $6 diesel fuel and $5 gasoline, it's had its impact upon moms and dads and businesses of all sorts and it's not a political statement it's just a true statement that there's some uncertainty in our nation as well as the nations of the world when you begin to look at and hear all of the elite minds that tell us uh, that 2023 may not be so altogether lovely in the economic world. And we find that when there is uncertainty in the presence of men and women, they become distraught. Uh, they become stricken by the what ifs or the unknowns. And therefore, they begin to uh, get into some modes that normally they don't operate in. But we, we find that as a nation, it's very interesting where we are today. And we also see that in this passage of Scripture, it appears that this particular lady had exhausted everything that was in her possession, and she was just trying to keep it together. Anybody can relate to that? You're just trying to keep it together. You don't, you don't know how you're going to get there from here. You, 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 you had all this unexpected stuff happen, and, and it seems like the world's crashing in on you. And, and you know, here she is. She has two sons. Uh, she's married. And, and now all of a sudden, her husband is out of the picture. And here we find that the, the, the means of financial uh, security has been taken and here she is. And we find that after trying to do it in herself, that trying to keep her house in order, that she finds herself on the verge of witnessing her sons being placed in bondage. Think about it. Somebody knock on your door and say, listen, I'm sorry that you're husband has passed, but your two children are going to have to work off the debt that he accumulated with me. How can we even get our mind in that scenario today? But we find that as she was witnessing her sons on, on the verge of becoming bondmen, she begins to do something out of desperation. But beyond just seeing a mother and two sons, I believe that there's a deeper message that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. We see that a generation is on the verge of becoming enslaved 
because of decisions that was made by the generation before them. These two sons had no responsibility for the debt of their father. But we find that their father had began to desire to possess some things that was beyond his ability within his own means. And we find that I'm sure that while they were loved by their father, I'm not questioning that this morning, and they were not given the circum, we're not really given the circumstances leading up to or surrounding the death of their father. All we know is it appears that his passing was untimely. And it seems like that we can take from this passage that he failed to make provision for the generation that was following after him. I'm not here to make him to be an evil man. I'm not here to tear him down because I, I don't have a basis to do that. But I believe I can bring to our attention this morning uh, that his decisions placed those that he loved in great danger. I want to ask the question this morning, uh, the decisions that you and I are making, how are they affecting our family? How are they affecting the generation that is following after us? And I'm just not talking about our children, but I want to take that to a broader space and say, what is the decisions that the church in America is making today? How is it positioning the generation that we've given birth to? Are we positioning them for greatness or are we positioning them for enslavement. Uh, just a question this morning. Uh, notice uh, this particular man had desired to possess certain things uh, that he obviously wasn't able to obtain on his own. Therefore, he had entered into an agreement uh, with someone in order to be able to obtain that which he desired. Uh, I don't know what his debt consisted of. Uh, all I know is this. And please don't get too radical in your thinking with me this morning. Uh, but I want to give you a biblical approach to life. Uh, there is a thing called good debt and bad debt. I'm not going to preach on debt this morning. Uh, good debt would be having a place to live, having a mortgage because you're investing. Uh, bad debt is having a pocket full of credit cards that you're trying to borrow from one to pay another to borrow another to pay another one. That's that, that, that's what, there's the difference, all right? So, But notice Proverbs 22, verse 7 says uh, that the rich ruleth over the poor uh, and the borrower is a slave uh, to the lender. Uh, I'm a firm believer that don't have any debt that you don't need. Uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to, uh, just, uh, to tear you down if you're in debt. I'm saying if you're in debt, work hard and get out of debt. All right? But that's a message for another day. Failing to understand, this individual failed to understand the possibility that his actions could affect those that was nearest to him in a great negative manner. Stay with me. May I remind you today that our life is but a vapor. James chapter 4 verse number 14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? He answers that question, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanishes 
away. However, we must understand that the decisions that we make in that short amount of time has a lasting impact and effect on those that come after us, naturally and spiritually. We find this widow was in need of a miracle, not just for herself, but for her children. So she began to cry for a generation. Her cry, however, prompted the prophet to ask the following question. What do you have in your house? What is it that you would have me do for you? This set the stage to cause a particular individual to pause and to evaluate evaluate everything in their life. Oh, how we need a pot of oil. We see that her response is what set the stage for a divine reversal that gave birth to a sound of freedom for a generation. Notice she looked within and with her eyes she saw that there was a pot of oil. But secondly, we see that she chose to trust in the word that was given by the prophet and she responded in obedience. Thirdly, she was willing to pour out what she had into another vessel, which was simply called an act of faith. And it was in that moment she was demonstrating that she believed God was able to move on her behalf. I'm sure she had heard the stories of how God had moved throughout history and amongst the lives of others. Been married to a son of the prophet who appeared to have a close or somewhat close relationship with Elisha the prophet. Because we notice in this story, it says that he was your servant. But also, she boldly proclaims to Elisha, says, you know that he feared the Lord. She stood and she said, you know who he was. But yet now I find myself in trouble. I'm sure this morning we can relate to many parts of her story. But it was different now for her. Everything is hinging on this moment. The security that she once knew was no longer present. The comfort that she once knew no longer present. Her house is empty. Everything is gone except a pot of oil. Friend, I must say to you today, The moment the oil began to flow behind those closed doors is the moment that the deliverance began to be set in motion for a generation. We not only know the end of this story, but we also know the miraculous elements of it because we're reading it from a place of history. But I am prompted by the Spirit of the Lord today to tell you the decisions that has been made by the church and its leaders over the last several decades 
and that has currently still been made in America and other nations across the globe has caused and is still causing a generation to become enslaved by a kingdom of darkness. I didn't come for attaboys this morning. I didn't come for you to shout me down. But I come on assignment this morning to tell you that we got to rediscover a pot of oil. I have been looking over the past several years in church history, and I am finding that men and women began to desire and they began to purchase things that they could not afford. And now, as the old timers would say, the chickens have come home to roost. Listen, I don't own any chickens, but you drive by my house, I have a yard of chickens. I don't own any goats, but you drive by my house, I'll have a yard full of goats because my neighbors has them. But I have come to tell you something. Chickens and goats, they leave things behind. It don't smell good. It don't make the landscape look good. I was out on my driveway putting brakes on the church van day before yesterday and I look over and I got a turkey walking up on my porch. <laughs> then it decided it wanted to come over and sit by me while I worked on the van to help me put brakes on it. The thing has, has no idea what he's doing but he wanted to be there. Guess what? When he left, he left things behind. It's not always pretty. When the chickens come home to roost, you hear me this morning. We're dealing today with the heirs of those that have led us as well as rebellious people sitting in the house of God that said they wanted one thing, but they lived in another way. You hear this preacher this morning. We began to desire popularity, so we decided to leave holiness. We began to buy a form of godliness, so we left a place of sanctification. We bought that which was pleasing to the eyes, so we fell in love with Hollywood. Uh, we began to fulfill the desires of our flesh, and therefore we become consumed with self and left the place of sacrifice. Uh, and now we're dealing with those heirs, and now we're dealing with a place where spiritual men and women that was supposed to lead us into a place of righteousness uh, didn't have the, have the ability to stand with spiritual backbone and take a stand for the things of God. Uh, and they allowed sheep to wander aimlessly and now we have a generation that is on the verge of darkness. Across America today, our new norm is heartbreaking. The lives that many are now living is devastating and I'm not talking about those outside but I'm talking about those inside the church on Sunday morning that is faithful to the tithe box and the offering, uh, that's faithful to the events, uh, that's faithful to the volunteer list uh, but yet if you see them on Thursday they're so stressed that they can't function. Uh, if you see them on Tuesday they're covered up with, uh, with the pillow and the blanket and the blankets uh, are over the windows because they're so depressed they can't function. Uh, listen, uh, you and I today got to understand uh, a generation uh, has to walk in freedom in order for it to fulfill its purpose. Uh, but the purpose has not been fulfilled uh, because uh, there is a generation that is enslaved and in bondage today. 
Our children are now enslaved by the same snare of the enemy that was written by about throughout scripture that has plagued other generations. But I have to tell you, the research is terrifying today. I mentioned this briefly, but let me just mention it this morning. If you're over the age of 19 years old in America and you have not yet surrendered your life to Christ, there is only a 6% probability that you will do so before you step into eternity. So what does this mean? Currently, right now, there is roughly 300, a little over 332 million individuals in the United States of America. 18 and over makes up 258 million. So if I take 258 million, for those of you that like numbers, and take 6% of that, that takes me to 15,480,000. So if I take 15,480,000 and subtract that from 258 million, that leaves me with 242,520,000 people over the age of 18 in America that is going to die lost without God. And that's on our watch. But we come to the house of God and we sing our song, we preach our messages, and then we go back and live like everybody else does. Are we okay with this reality on our watch? Are we okay to say that 258 million that's over the age of 18 right now in the United States of America, that only 15 million of them will surrender their life before they die? I'm not okay with that this morning. But can I tell you? We are witnessing our countrymen and women, not at the age of 70, but at the age of 20, at the age of 30, at the age of 15 even, and younger, begin to step into eternity prematurely. Much due to the fact that we, the church, desired and purchased things that we could not afford. I heard this statement not long ago. You have what you wanted, but you don't want what you have. We have what we wanted. We wanted comfort. We wanted popularity. We wanted freedom. We wanted to not be. Now we've got it, and now we have a, another function on our calendar we don't walk with power. We don't walk with authority. We don't walk with dominion. We talk about it, but a generation doesn't ever see it. Our ideal of being powerful Christians in America is coming into the house of God on a Sunday morning, feeling a little bit of goosebumps and shouting up and down the aisle and praying one for another and say, oh, we had a move of God. That wasn't a move of God. That was a move of selfishness to make you feel better in the condition that you are right now. Just smile. I love you this morning. But I come to tell somebody this morning, while we're doing that week after week, conference after conference, uh, traveling miles, uh, investing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, all of these things, and we never go to the field 
and we never reach a harvest. The reason for it is because not only are we giving birth to a generation that is enslaved, we're enslaved ourselves because there's no oil. May I say to all of us today, God receives no glory from empty pews, empty chairs, empty classrooms, empty baptistries, or contaminated platforms, and buses and vans that sat idle and never used to reach a community. Repentance has always foreshadowed revival. You and I today need to understand we ain't all that great. We ain't all that great. Only thing great about us is the God that's in us. When was the last time you had a sleepless night because you cried for a generation? When was the last time that we understood that unless there is oil flowing behind somebody's closed door, there will never be oil in the public arena? I'm calling us back to a place of oil. I'm not calling us to a place of legalism. I'm not calling us to a place of what your definition of church is. Can I tell you, God has people everywhere in many different denominations, and they don't look like you. They don't sound like you. They haven't been exposed to the things that you have. But listen, you got to get beyond some of those things, uh, and you got to realize that every man, every woman's got to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. uh, But all of our lives has got to line up with the word of God uh, and the Holy Spirit will still be our teacher. There's a lot of people walking in ignorance today uh, and I don't say that in a demeaning manner uh, but they're walking in ignorance today because they're not positioning themselves to let the oil flow in their life. Uh, The oil is the symbolic picture of the Holy Ghost uh, and the Bible's very clear. Jesus one of the last things he said was it's important that I go away so the Father will send he, the Holy Ghost, uh, that he will lead you into all truth. Can I tell you, when the oil is present, truth is present. That's why we need the oil. Before the bridegroom comes for his bride, there is a purity that must be restored to the house of God in America and around the globe. This generation has a prophetic word over it and it must be fulfilled. But however, before it can be released and manifested, somebody must cry aloud and somebody must respond in obedience to the word of God and they must begin to let oil flow once again. Our Bible tells us it's not by might nor is it by power, but it is by the Spirit, says the Lord. The atmosphere over our nation 
nation will change. Not when another political party is in power. Not when we build another building. Not when we come with another gimmick. But it will only change when somebody begins to pour the oil. Why is it all of these years later we still talk about a lady that came in and broke an alabaster box and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair? It's not because she had everything together. No, it's because she came in and she said, I'm going to make some oil flow in this house. Can I tell you, the only way we're going to make an impact on the generations to come if God delays his coming is for you and I to once again let this house and let this house begin to consume with the aroma of oil. The oil is that significant. I guarantee if I walked into any of your homes today, if you walked into my house, walked into my kitchen, and walked up to my stove, there's a long cabinet to the left of it. You open that door. There is a thing of oil there. Now, that oil was not brought to the marketplace to stay in a bottle. That oil was brought to the marketplace so that it could be used to provide and to make things that sustain life. Now, sometimes we use it for stuff that's not all that healthy, but that's another thought for another day. But the thing is, if you didn't have oil, you wouldn't get your cake. You wouldn't fry your eggs the way you like them. And the list just goes on and on and on because Oil is a substance that is used to sustain life. If you don't eat, you're going to die. Hear me. Spiritually speaking, the oil that was released in an upper room 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem uh, was not released uh, for it to stay with 120 people. It was released uh, so that it could be distributed in the marketplace uh, so that life could be sustained. But we have filled our house with all kinds of stuff. And now we have children living in that house. Can I meddle just for a moment? We have all of the latest and greatest of technology. We have iPads, iPhones, and iThings that I don't even know. We have iHomes, we have Googles, uh, we have Google Home, we have television screens, not like this, but we have them that take up our whole wall. Everything around us. Uh, we have everything that the world has created. I, you, as long as you use them, use them to the glory of God. I, I'm not here to talk about things. All I'm saying is your house uh, is filled with things uh, that the world has created, uh, and if you're not careful, uh, your Bible has got dust on on it uh, and your children never heard you pray uh, and you don't use any oil uh, and then you bring them to the house of God uh, and you say fix them preacher listen uh, no 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 uh, somebody uh, has got to understand uh, the value of oil uh, when oil is present there is life uh, maybe there's no life uh, because you have forgotten there's oil uh, I got to tell somebody uh, you got to go back to the cupboard uh, you got to look around 
around and say, what is the thing here that is able to promote life? Can I tell you, oil didn't just provide life in the moment, but it provided life for the future. The prophet said, go sell what you filled up and pay your debt, but live on that which is there. Can I tell you, my God doesn't just be God today, but he's in my tomorrow already. No weapon formed against me will prosper, not because I'm great, not because I'm preaching this morning, but because the oil is in my life. I got to hurry. May I ask this question today? Where is it in your house? Where is it in this house? Where is it in this community? Where is it in this nation? It's not about what we've lost per se in recent years because of pandemics and because of what the world's doing and what they've presented. No, it's about us forgetting what we do possess, the oil. Can I tell you, the, everything the enemy has prepared doesn't have any life in it. But that which God has is life-sustaining. In June of this year, I had the privilege of taking some of you on a trip to the nation of Belize. And after you all got done, we took you to the airport and I stayed a couple days longer. And I stayed because I was meeting with another pastor, pastor friend of mine, and he wanted to take and show me some of the ministry things that they had going on in the northern part of the nation and how it was a struggle and it was dying. And he said, I don't know what to do. Their pastor had died and then COVID had happened. Everything had set. The buildings were setting empty and there was no life. So myself and Brother Derek, we... We travel and we meet with them and we find ourselves in a village called Billy White. What a name. Then we also find ourselves in a village called Bengi. Walked into a beautiful little block building that's painted and clean and no life. Just nothing. We go over to this other little village, Bengi. It's a Little block building. They knew, they heard we was coming, so they did cut the grass. Got there, no life, nothing. Only thing was that Bingy was, we met with two little old women. I said, what are you, what are you currently doing? And they said, well, we come over and we sweep and we clean every week and we come a couple times a week, us and three other, and we pray. We don't have a preacher. We don't have, we don't have any money. We don't have anything. So we just come. We try to take care of the building, and, and we just pray. And you look at it naturally, it was dead. Nothing. I said, what do you think we can do? And I said, well, let's pray about it. So we prayed. 
said, I think we need to figure out a way to get some life there. So I talked to a pastor friend that is in charge of it. I said, are you okay with providing food to a community? Absolutely. We'll make it happen. So Brother Derek and his team, we put together and we go up there and we invest some money and we began to feed a community. Did a couple little crusade meetings. This week, as a team from Ohio was there and worked with Brother Derek, we went specifically for those two, pairs, those two places, Billy White and the little village of Bingy. I talked to him Friday on the phone as he was dropping the team off at the airport to return home. And he said, Ron, it's been an amazing week. He said, we had 150 people jammed into that little building in Bingy where in June there was two old women said, we don't know anything other than just to pray, us and three others. Billy White, tremendous outpouring of kids and adults. He said, it was amazing. Why do I say that? It's because, see, there was no life there. But when somebody began to get the oil out of the bottle and began to pour it out into other vessels, life began to be present again. In five months, that which was dead began to live. There's a lot of things today in your life that the enemy would tell you to look at it and they would say it's dead. There's no life in it. There's no reason. But the enemy doesn't understand that there's still oil present. Listen, the oil was in the house the whole time, but it was bottled up. It wasn't flowing. But the moment that this widow, by faith, heard and obeyed the word of the Lord, go borrow some vessels, not a few, from your neighbors. Bring them into your house and shut the door and begin to pour out. Now, if you got those instructions, how well would you respond? Think about it in modern terms. And I'm closing with this. You walk into my office and say, Pastor Ron, we've lost everything. Well, what do you got in your house? We don't have anything. We've sold all of the furniture. We did. We don't have anything, but we're on the verge of losing everything that we do have left. Well, what do you got in your house? Well, I think I got some Crisco oil. Or I got some olive. Okay, just take your oil. Go visit all the people in the church. Go get a vessel from them. Then shut the door on you and your sons and just start pouring it out. You would tell me I lost my mind. Right? Because naturally it makes no sense. But God doesn't work naturally. He works supernaturally, but he can't work supernaturally unless somebody's willing to obey that which he says in faith. This is still a walk of faith, not a walk of sight. It's a walk of faith. I can envision in my mind 
a lady that is heartbroken, devastated. A creditor's at her door saying, give me your sons. And she began to cry and say, I can't let them live in bondage. Something has to happen. I need a miracle. And the prophet says, go get some vessels and by faith pour some oil. I know according to the church growth seminars and those that tell us we need to be relevant to society and I need to cut down on my biblical content and I need to be a little bit more friendly and a little bit more funny and all of those things and then you will have success, please hear me, without oil you will never experience life. I need you to go get a bottle of oil. Hear me. Just a pot of oil. Seems insignificant. Can I tell you, you and I are just a bottle of oil. You and I are just a bottle of oil. Holy Spirit lives here, dwells here. But guess what? I'm, I'm going to mess with your world here for a moment as they get ready to come to the piano this morning. Jesus didn't die on a cross so you could be saved. And then he didn't ascend into heaven so the Father could release the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us. And not just dwell in us, but empower us and equip us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Just so we could walk around as a full bottle of oil. He didn't give you the gift of the Holy Spirit just so you could speak in tongues and prophesy to one another. Sorry. He, he didn't give you the gift of the Holy Spirit just so you could give interpretation. He gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could be a witness for him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost parts of the world. What does that mean? So that you could be bold enough to stand in the face of the adversary no matter where you found yourself and said, I will stand for truth. And I will flow in the Spirit so a generation doesn't have to be in bondage. I'm not throwing off on my heritage at all, so please don't misunderstand that I am grateful and will forever be grateful in what I grew up in and what I was exposed to, and I still hold true to that today. Listen, I've listened to a lot of people prophesy. I've listened to a lot of people say, thus saith the Lord. I've watched a lot of people shout. I've watched a lot of people run the aisles, but I've never seen them go to the world and pour out the oil that's in them. Now we got a generation that's dying and going to hell. 94% of the Americans today that is not currently saved will die and go to hell. And we're going to keep prophesying and dancing and shouting and saying we're good. Listen, there's an aroma in this bottle. Sister Mary Lou makes it for us, and I'm so grateful for it. But there's an aroma in this bottle. But can I tell you something right now? You can't smell it because it's got a cap on it. 
You can't feel it because it's got a cap on it. But there has to be an uncapping of the oil in the year 2022. Because I'm going to tell you something. Our self-help theology, our live best life now theology, our in it for me mindset is not going to deliver a generation. But what will deliver a generation is if somebody will be bold enough to believe the word of God again and say, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to believe it all. And I'm going to let the oil that's in me begin to flow. Think about it. A lady had nothing. How timidly, how hesitantly she might have went to that first vessel and said, Oh God, I don't understand it, but I'm believing what Elisha said and began to pour in a vessel field. Bring me another one. There's still oil. Bring me another one. Repeatedly, over and over. Bring me another one. Then her son said, there, there is no more. When do I get to quit pouring the oil? When there is no more. See, I, I don't need to be preaching a message. Please forgive me this morning. But Jade, can you, can you help me for a moment? I need you to go get me a, an empty vessel. Go get me a vessel. I have a responsibility. I gotta, I gotta fill this vessel with oil. Not personal conviction. Not what I think. I gotta fill him with the Spirit. I got to let the Spirit do the work in him. Jade, I still got oil. He's filled. I, I need another vessel. See, I, I, don't have the, I don't have the luxury of quitting. I still have oil. I need another vessel. But I got to ask this morning, how many vessels are you filling? Oh, you're judging everybody else. Well, they should be this or they should be that. But, but how many vessels are you feeling? I need another vessel. Oh, but I don't have time for that. No, 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 no. You, that, that is what should be consuming your life. Listen, it's not about legacy. Uh, it's about filling a vessel. Uh, listen, one old timer said this. Uh, preach the message, die, and then be forgotten. I don't want you to remember me, but I want you to remember the oil that I pour into you. Uh, listen, uh, Ron Russell is nothing, uh, but the God that I serve is everything. I need a vessel. That's why in April of this year, when my daddy was taking his last breath, lying on his couch, he was still saying, bring me one more so I can pour into them before I leave. He never quit.
I want to say this as nice as I can. If you want to walk around with a lid on your pot of oil, this ain't the place for you. This is a place where the cap's got to come off as we end a year and go to a brand new year and where oil begins to flow. There has to be an aroma change and there has to be a generation that begins to operate in freedom. This generation has a mandate on its life. But our decisions to fall in love with the world is placing them in chains of bondage instead of in a place of freedom. There's some things I could do, but I choose not to do, is what Paul said. You know why he chose not to do them? Is because he chose to pour oil into everybody he met. This morning, the church in America, number one, has to repent. Number two, it has to evaluate and has to realize a lot of the other stuff it doesn't need. It just needs to let the oil flow again. If you and I would all take the cap off of the oil that's in us because there is something in you greater than what you even realized this morning. We could turn a world upside down with the people that's in this room. But we got to get rid of all of the excuses and we got to begin to fill a vessel with oil. She realized I can do nothing or I can cry aloud. You and I can complain about everything that we see in the world and do nothing. Or we can change our lives and we can change our schedules. And we can begin to lay between the porch and an altar and begin to see a generation receive freedom. God doesn't make anybody do anything. But he does prompt our hearts in settings such as this. Not just so that we'll say, man, that was rough today. Listen, I'm not here to be rough today. I'm ministering you out of love today. I'm telling you that I love you enough to tell you that it's not enough just to have a lamp. It's got to be trimmed and burning and full of oil if you want to go in when he comes. But not only does your lamp have to be filled with oil, you've got to be found doing and pouring into vessels. Freely you have received, so now freely you have to give. What we give, what we pour out will deliver a generation. But if we choose to sit and ignore the pot of oil, We'll continue to see a generation die without God in slaves of bondage. And we'll still shake our head and say, I just don't understand. 
It's time for us to not lean to our understanding, but understand that God is who he says he is. You all may be seated. I'm going to ask you to stand all over this house this morning with me. Popularity isn't that important. Possessing all of the things that the world presents to us is not all that important. But what is as important that we make sure that those that God has entrusted into our care walks in a place of freedom and deliverance not a place of bondage and defeat if our intellect could get it done it ought to be done if our conferences and our gatherings could get it done it ought to be done I'm not against those things I, I'm an advocate of those things because we need to be together But in my own family, my extended family, not just those that are away from God, but even those that are serving God, I see their lives just in this roller coaster environment. That's not God's plan. The songwriter said, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased in blood. Washed in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Can I tell you, this is my story and this is my song. In the wee hours of the night when nobody was around, the oil was enough. In the midst of some of the hardest tragic times that I've walked through and walked through with even some of you in this room that required me to be able to operate in strength that I knew I didn't possess. I've hugged your necks, held your hands, cried with you, laughed with you. The only way I was able is because of the oil. What I'm telling you is it's enough. It'll always be enough. But a generation today just hears stories and have never yet experienced it. You may be overwhelmed this morning. You may have felt like you're under an attack that's out of this world this morning. No word I can tell you will change your situation. But if you allow the oil of the Spirit to flow into you, it will change you. 
But by faith, you have to receive it. And in obedience, you have to walk out his word. The word she received that day was, go borrow some vessels, pour it out, close the door on you and your son. So she did that. God's not telling us to go get a bunch of vessels, pour out oil naturally. Here's what he tells you and I. Trust in me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I wonder this morning, will you trust him with that thing that's still in your victory, your joy, your peace? That thing that's overshadowing you. That thing that's hanging over your family. That thing that's just gnawing at you. That maybe you've not even gave voice. Will you trust God with it and say, God, I just give it to you. And I want you to fill me with oil. Before we leave this house today, if the Spirit of the Lord is prompting at any heart in this room right now without hesitation, without any fluff, without any pleading, begging, anything, you'd say, you're talking to me, preacher. I need oil. Or you'd say, I need oil in my family. I need oil in my home. I need oil. I need the Spirit of God to move in a situation. I want you to come right now to the front of this building. Right now. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.